Gospel of Matthew chapter 26. This morning, what you're going to be hearing in the next few moments, I believe, will be life transforming. You might going to hear this maybe in, in a way, in such a way, maybe never quite brought in the way you heard it this morning. And I pray that God will bless and challenge our lives. In the next few moments, you'll be able to pinpoint exactly where you are with your walk with God. Exactly what level you are with your walk with God. In the next few moments, you'll be able to pinpoint exactly where you are. And I pray that God will bless us and challenge us in a very powerful way. What we're going to be seeing in the next few moments is a stage and a level and a dimension that all of us will go through and are going through. And today you'll see where you're at right now with your walk with God. And you go through this rotation over and over again. It is the deep calling the deep from faith to faith. So Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. I better preach nice and loud, I suppose, eh? I've got some competition here. Glory to God. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, City, will I go over there and pray? He took with him Peter, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful, deep in distress. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here, watch with me. He went a little bit further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch and pray for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. But the flesh is weak. Verse 42. He went away again the second time and praying, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, you will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again, praying the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. He that the Son of Man has been betrayed in the hands of sinners, rise up, let us be gone. See, he who betrays me is at hand. Let's pray. Father, we come before your presence in this day, in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father God, for honoring our lives with your presence. We pray even today, walk among us, let our lives be changed and transformed by the power of your word. I thank you for this great church. I thank you, Lord, for this great lighthouse in this great city and in this great nation and in this great world. I thank you for the DNA of this house, O oh God. And I pray, grant their hearts' desires. Use them powerfully and mightily upon their, their, Lord, their hearts' desires. Father, speak to us in this day. Let us be changed by the power of your word. I ask you this, uh, and I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. The people said. You will see in the next few moments the three levels or the three different dimensions that you and I walk in with a walk with God. 
Here is Jesus. And Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. It was a time he had to come before the Lord. It was a time we had to put out his heart before God. And he called his disciples. And then he called Peter, James and John. The closest three disciples says, fellas, come a little bit closer towards this way and, and, and stay here and, and support me in your prayers and, and be there for me and just support me. Just watch and pray. It says in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus went about a stone throw away, maybe about 25 meters, and he began to seek the face of God. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he began to pray, began to seek God. Listen carefully. Every person here today will go for that place that is called Gethsemane. Before you experience resurrection power, before you experience the power and the life and the anointing of God, you've got to go through firstly Gethsemane. Gethsemane is that place where you pour out your heart before God. Gethsemane is that place where you say, God, these are my plans, these are my desires, these are my dreams, but Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Before you can experience resurrection power, you have to go for Gethsemane first. And Gethsemane is that place that you're on your own. It seems that even your closest friends, maybe it may be your spouse, and maybe your mates from church, or it seems that even your closest friends, they're asleep, and it's just you and God that you have an appointment with God. Gethsemane is that place where you pour out your will. And I could imagine as, as, as God is looking upon, Jesus said, Father, Lord, if it's possible, Lord, if there is another way, take this cup away from me. But he came for this purpose. He came for this reason, Jesus did. But he says, Lord, if there is another way, if there is another plan, if there is another strategy, Lord, take this cup away from me. And I can imagine God looking down at his son and saying, Son, the government of this world are upon your shoulders. You've come to set the human race free. You must go through this sacrifice for those, your past generation, for those in your present generation, and those to come. And Jesus looked up to God. He says, Okay, he says, Okay, not my will, but thy will be done. Every person. In this service today, we'll go through Gethsemane. Maybe right now there are some folks that are experiencing Gethsemane. Well, you know in your heart of hearts, there are things that you need to give up. There are things uh, that you need to say, Lord, these are my plans for 2007. These are my desires. This is my strategy. But Lord, uh, not my will, but thy will be done. It is just you and God and no one else. Jesus called his disciples. He called then his closest three, Peter, James, and John. He says, fellas, be with me. Be in prayer. Just be in prayer. And he went further on and sought the face of God. And his closest disciples were asleep. You see, my friends, when you go through Gethsemane, even your closest friends that you ask to support you in the moment of trial are asleep. 
It is just you and God, an appointment with the Lord. Now see, it wasn't that Jesus was so much frightened of the crucifixion and of the now. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the crucifixion was a very horrible and cruel death. I'm not belittling the, the power of the cross. Don't get me wrong. It was a cruel death. But see, but back in those days, the Roman soldiers put many people on the crosses. Many died upon the crosses back in those days. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to belittle the, 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 the death on the cross. is very powerful. But it wasn't so much the death on the cross, uh, but that Jesus had to become sin. He that knew no sin had to take on the sin of the past generations, of the present generation, of the future generation, all at one time, like a funnel. All at one time. The Bible says in the Garden of Gethsemane, that Jesus sweated drops like blood. Medical science teaches us, when blood comes out of your pores, it means that physically... Your heart has exploded. Now, I'm not saying the heart of Jesus exploded in the Garden of Gethsemane, but I'll tell you something. The Bible says an angel came down and comforted him. Gethsemane is we have an appointment with God. Gethsemane is a place where you surrender your will, your plans, your dreams. Before you experience resurrection power, you have to go through Gethsemane first. There's no shortcut. There's no other way. Gethsemane. My wife and I got married back in, 10 years ago, back in 97, the 25th of uh, January, and went over to Jerusalem. We visited our family and friends overseas, went over to Jerusalem to visit the garden of Gethsemane. It is a great garden. Many great olive trees are growing. In the garden of Gethsemane, you take the olive, the fruit, off the tree, the olive. And it is placed within the press. And it is squeezed. And the oil comes out of the fruit. Gethsemane speaks to us of the broken life. Where the olive is squeezed in the press. And the oil comes out symbolic of the anointing of God. Symbolic of the power of God. Listen carefully. The world is tired of words. The world wants to see the reality and the power of God in your life and my life. The world is tired of words. It wants to see the real thing. Gethsemane. Where the olive is squeezed, the oil comes out. The broken life. The anointing which breaks the yoke and sets captives free. What is the desire of your heart in this day? The next level that you will experience... Before you experience resurrection power, is called Calvary. The first place is Gethsemane, where you surrender your will. The second place is called Calvary, where things need to die. Let's go to Matthew 27 now, please. Matthew 27. To verse 34, please. 
Matthew 27, verse 34. It says this, And they gave him sour wine mingled with myrrh. He had tasted it, but he didn't drink it. They gave him sour wine mingled with myrrh. Myrrh was like an antiseptic. It was a painkiller. They gave him sour wine mingled with myrrh. He tasted it, but he didn't drink it. You see, when you go for your Gethsemane, where you surrender your will, when you go for your Gethsemane, where the olive is squeezed in the press, and the oil comes out, speaks of the broken life, the oil speaks of the anointing, the power of God. When you go for your Gethsemane, that even your closest friends are asleep, it's just you and God. There's no support. There's no backup. It's just you and God, no one else. When you go for a Gethsemane, before you experience resurrection power, the next level now is called Calvary. Calvary is that place where things need to die. Calvary is that place where there could be relationships and friendships and habits and desires and thought patterns that need to die. If you want to go to the ne next level, there are things that need to die. You see, the things that you did five years ago, and God allowed. Now God says to you, no, no more. We go from faith to faith, from holiness, it's the deep calling the deep. Like my daughter Gabriella, when she was three years old, she'll be sitting, eating away, and maybe chucking all over her, and all over her clothes, and all over the high chair, and that's cute, and that's fun. Now she's seven, no more. The things that God allowed you five years ago, now he says no more. Because you grow from faith to faith, from wholeness to wholeness. It is a deep call in the deep. And Jesus was upon the cross. The apostle Paul says, uh, it's no longer I that live, but that Christ lives in me. Acts 17, 28, in God we move and have our being. And as Jesus was given his life upon the cross, it says, now this is really important, that says they gave him sour wine mingled with myrrh. He tasted it, but he didn't drink it. Now listen very carefully. As you go for your Gethsemane, where things, where you surrender your will, as you go through Gethsemane, we say, God, these are my plans. Uh, these are my desires. Uh, these are my dreams. Uh, these are my visions. Uh, but not my will, uh, but thy will be done. When you go through Gethsemane, now you go to the place called Calvary, where things need to die. And as Jesus was given his life, uh, the Bible says they gave him sour wine, mingled with myrrh. He tasted, but he didn't drink it. As you begin to die to yourself, to habits, to desires, to thought patterns, to things around you at work or at college, you know those things need to die. That enough is enough. You know to go to that next level, these things need to die. As Jesus died upon the cross, they gave him sour wine. As you are dying to yourself, 
Your friends at school or college or at work might mock you, might say you're just getting carried away. You're just getting too involved that religion, that church and, and praying and, and reading the Bible and going to the Easter services. You're just getting too involved. As Jesus was dying, they gave him sour wine. He tasted it, but he didn't drink it. As you're dying to yourself and making a stand for God, the world will give you a sour time. They gave him sour wine. He tasted it, but he didn't drink it. As you're dying to yourself, making a stand for God, as a man of God, as a woman of God, the world will give you a sour time. Listen carefully. You will taste it, but don't drink it in. Forgive them. It's called persecution. You will taste it, but don't drink it in. Love them and forgive them and move on. Maybe some folks are at that level there where you need to let things die in your life. It's called the crucified life. For some folks, you're in Gethsemane right now where you need to surrender your will regarding some important things and some important decisions. But the folks, there are things that need to die. Because before you experience resurrection power, you have to go through Gethsemane. Before you experience resurrection power, you have to go through Calvary. And then you experience resurrection power. Look at the next verse. Look what it says here. This is unbelievable. Verse 37, and they put over his head an accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And as you're dying to yourself, the world, your friends might put an accusation against you. Oh, there, there's that Christian, that, that believer, that, that person that, that loves, loves God. They accuse him. This is Jesus, the, the, the King of the Jews. An accusation. As you die unto yourself, the world will put an accusation against you. It could be family or friends. Oh, there's that believer. Oh, there's that, that, that Christian. The accusation that was placed upon the cross of Jesus, this is very important now, was written in three languages. Listen very carefully. In Hebrew, in Greek, and in Latin. The accusation that was placed upon the cross where Jesus died was written in three languages. Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. The Hebrew language was the religious language of the day and age among the Jewish people. The Greek language was the cultural language of the day and age. The Latin language was the commercial language the Romans would use to buy and sell. It was in Hebrew. Hebrew is the religious language. It was in Greek. Greek is the cultural language. It was in Latin. Latin is the commercial language. As you go for your Gethsemane, 
But you say, God, not my will, thy will be done. As you go through Gethsemane and your closest friends are asleep, uh, there's no support. Uh, it's just you and God locked into where you're pouring out your life. Uh, then you go through Calvary. And as you go through Calvary, where things need to die, where things need to die, where you, you, the world will give you a sour time, you'll taste it and not drink it. And then they make an accusation against you. The accusation was done, as I said, Hebrew, the religious language. It was done Greek, uh, the cultural language. It was done Latin, the commercial language. As you live uh, the crucified life in this world, you will affect the religious climate around you. You will affect the cultural climate around you. And you will affect the commercial climate around your life. And the Bible says uh, they told Jesus to go and carry his cross. And he carried his cross out of the city of Jerusalem. The crucifixion was done out of the city. You see, back in those days, to die upon the cross, it was the same stigma of the electric chair. So the crucifixion was done out of the city. It was done over a rubbish dump, believe it or not. If you go today in Jerusalem, and you go and see the skull, it's probably as high as than this building you see two sockets on top, a small socket in the middle and a big socket down the bottom. It looks like the shape of a skull. And as you go there today, you'll see an, an old bus station. Dirty diesel buses parked at the bottom. And at the top, you see this incredible rock that looks like a skull. Scholars believe the crucifixion was done there. But as Jesus was carrying his cross through the city of Jerusalem... He was carrying his cross through the marketplace. He was carrying his cross through the workplace. Make sure, my friends, uh, that the world around us in our workplace, in the marketplace, can see us carrying the cross. There's no shortcut in this. If you want to experience resurrection power, you have to go get Gethsemane first. Then it's Calvary. And then it's resurrection power. And then it's a continual process. It isn't you go, you go there just once and it's done. It is a continual process. It is a continual walk. It is a deep call in the deep. Continuously. So that when they see you, they don't see they see Christ in you. Look at the next thing that happened. This is fantastic. Look at this. Verse 39. And those that passed by blasphemed him and wagging their heads. They were shaking their heads. And, and, and you can imagine as you're living for God and as you, as you die to yourself, your friends will pass you by and they'll just wag their heads. And they'll just shake their heads and say to you and I maybe, oh, what a waste you are. You have this great potential to do this and this with your life, and you're wasting your life away serving God in that church. And they're just wagging and shaking their heads. And your friends do the same thing too as they make a stand for God. Then look at this. Look at the next thing it says here in verse 42. The second part. Oh, if, he's, if he's the king of Israel, and let him now come down from the cross, and we'll believe in him. 
If you're really the son of God, come down from the cross and we'll believe in you. And the world says to you and I, as you're making a stand for God in your workplace, as you're making a stand for God in your, among your family and friends, as you're making a stand for God in the place where you're studying, the world has said to you and I, come down from that level and be part of us. Come down from that level and, 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 and share with us some of those dirty jokes. Come down from that level and be part of us and be one of us and, and we'll accept you. As one of us, we will accept you if you come down from that level. They said, if you come down, we'll accept you. Do not come down, but stand for God. Let Him use you for His glory. That's what the Bible says. A seed needs to die. And when a seed dies and it is planted, then it bears much fruit. I'm nearly there. And you might say, Pastor Maurice, but I, I, I am doing that. I am trusting God. I, I, I am surrendering my will to the Lord. And, 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 and I try to, the things in my life that need to die. And I'm trying to get my life you know, shaped right. And I'm trying to do the right things for God. And it seems like I don't feel His presence like I used to. It seems like when I'm reading the Bible, His words are not jumping out of the page and, and challenging me like I used to. When I'm praying, I don't seem to feel God's presence like I used to. Why? And Jesus Christ felt the same thing. He said, but I feel like maybe God has abandoned me. And it says the next verse. Down to verse 46. It says this. It says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, it isn't that God forsook Jesus altogether. But because Jesus became sin, I say this with reverence and respect, he became the greatest sinner. He carried the sin of the past generations, of the present generation, and those to come. All at one time. Now you know when you, when you know I do something wrong, and we know it's wrong. We know it wasn't right, it wasn't, it wasn't smart, it didn't give God glory, we knew it was wrong. And we feel uncomfortable, we say, God, I... I missed it. It was bad. God, forgive me. We feel bad about it. Imagine taking the sin of the whole human race one time upon your shoulders. And God had to turn his gaze away from his son because it broke the heart of God to see his son like that. Only for a period of time, God had to turn his gaze away. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as you go through this walk with the Lord, you might think, Lord, Are you forsaking me? God is not forsaking you. He's preparing you for the next level. Let me say this this morning before we move on. Before we talk about the resurrection power. You might say this morning, Pastor Maurice, I'm not really sure if God has a great plan for my life. I'm not really sure. You know, you might think I'm just a zip, zero, nothing, nil. You might think I'm just a mistake or you're maybe just a coincidence. Let me say this. You are the plan and the purpose and the destiny of God. God makes no mistakes. The word of God says he's known you 
before the foundation of the world, he knew by name. He makes no mistakes. He's perfect in all that he does. I'm about to bring this illustration to you. I know this is a mature church. I know you're able to handle this. But once you get this, it'll change the way that you think. And it'll make you responsible in the call of God that is upon your life. Because he's marked you out for the foundation of the world. And let me say this, my friend. Your relation with Christ, your relation is based upon your revelation. Your relation with Christ is based upon your revelation of Christ. Not something mystical, not something strange, but that revelation that while you're in prayer, that revelation while you're hearing the Word of God being preached, that revelation when you've got that CD playing in your car, your relation is based upon your revel- revelation. Your relation is based upon your revelation. The more you know Him, the more you love Him. The more you know Him, the more you love Him. The more you know Him, the more you love Him. Your relation is based upon your revelation. I'm about to bring this illustration now. And this will execute any thought you'll ever have again. That God has not called you for His purposes and for His work. This will put death to that thought for the rest of your life. When my wife was expecting our second daughter, Chantel, when we were here at that time, she was already expecting the baby. I remember asking the doctor an important question. And before I, before I share this, if you look at the population of America, USA, the population of USA is about 258 million people. It's a lot of people. The population of Europe combined is about 300 million people. So if you get Europe and America combined together, it's about over 500 million people, give or take. I asked the doctor a very important question. I said, doctor, when a husband and wife come together to have a child, how many seeds are released to fertilize the egg? And he paused for about five seconds. He looked me in the eyes and said this, between 300 million to over 500 million seeds are released to fertilize the egg. And only one makes it. Potentially, in your place, could have been born another brother or a sister. Potentially, in your pagan order, in your family, someone else could have been born in your place. But He's chosen you before the foundation of the world by name. And He makes no mistakes. He is precise in what he does and what he chooses. Someone else could be born in your place, in your family. Potentially, 500 other million brothers and sisters could have been born in your place. But he's chosen you. But for the foundation of the world. And you never be satisfied nor content until you find the purpose of your existence. Someone else 
could have been born in your place. Like all the population of Europe combined, population USA combined, over 500 million people potentially could have been born in your place, in your family, but he's chosen you. You need to find out why. Let's wrap this up. When you have gone through Gethsemane, where you've surrendered your will towards God, where you say, God, not my will, thy will be done. When you go through Gethsemane and your closest friends are asleep, he went back three times and they were sleeping. And it's just you and God. Gethsemane, with the olives squeezed in the press, the oil comes out, symbolic of the broken life. Then you go through Calvary. Some folks now are experiencing Gethsemane. We need to surrender your will. The next level is called Calvary, where things need to die, where enough is enough. Whether friendships or relationships that you know are not productive, you know it's not from God, enough is enough. There are things at work or at college, enough is enough. There are things that need to die before you go to that next level. Once you've done that, the next level is resurrection power. If you go to verse 51 in the same chapter, these things took place after the death of Christ as they were coming into resurrection mode. Verse 51, watch this. And behold, the veil for the temple was torn from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Verse 53. And coming out of the grave after his resurrection, went to the holy city and appeared to many. Listen carefully. When you go for your Gethsemane, we surrender your will. When you go through Calvary, the things need to die. You begin to experience, begin to operate in the resurrection mode. It says in verse 51, the veil was torn from top to bottom. Now the thickness of the veil was the thickness of a hand span of a man. Probably twice the hand span of this hand here. It was from your smallest finger to your thumb. Was the thickness of the veil in the temple. It was impossible to get a sword and try to slice it from the bottom. It says, he was torn from top to bottom. The one that tore the veil was God. You see, when you go through Gethsemane and you surrender your will, when you go through Calvary and things need to die, what happens is uh, the veil now is torn and now you see God's will. Now you know God's will. It says, Jesus, I'm the sheep. You are my, he said, I'm the shepherd. He said, you are the sheep and my sheep know am I. It's not maybe, it's not perhaps, it's not good luck nor bad luck, which I don't believe in, but you will know his will. But you've been through Gethsemane where you surrendered your will. You've been through Calvary where things need to die. Now the veil is torn. Now you see, now you know. 
Now you perceive. Not guessing. Because now the veil is torn. Look at the next verse it says here. Then it says this. And it says, And the earth began to shake and the rocks were split in two. When you start walking in resurrection power, the place we go to work at college university, there's something about you. You carry something. The Levites of the Old Testament were the carriers of the ark. They would carry the ark upon their shoulders. They would walk with the ark. The ark is symbolic of the presence and the anointing of God. They were the carriers of the anointing. They would walk with the anointing. They would live with the anointing. We are the Levites of the New Testament. We are the carriers of the presence and the power of God. It says the earth began to shake. I remember once we were giving out some tracks to, 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 to invite people to come and see this, this, I think it was the second coming video back in those days with our youth group. And I gave one to this guy who was standing in front of the pub and he began to mock and ridicule the people around us. And the young people became intimidated by this biker looking guy, strong looking guy, 10 times my size. <laughs> and I just began to share Jesus and the power of God just turned up and he fainted. He went into a sweat. He collapsed on the ground with his helmet on and fainted by the power of God. When you go through Gethsemane, when you go through Calvary, the veil is torn and now you see. And the earth begins to quake. There's just something about you. You just carry something. I remember I was in Vancouver. I'm not saying this for any other reason, but you, you've experienced the same thing. I was in Vancouver ministering. And I had to get my hair cut. And there was this young man that was cutting my hair. He has, he has seven saloons. He's well-to-do. Got a Porsche outside, very wealthy. And I began to talk to him about Jesus. He just found the Aussie Italian accent kind of unusual. And I wanted to invite him to come to the meeting on Sunday night service. And he came that night, which is amazing. And then at the altar, he came to give his life to Jesus. And I said, What made you come tonight? And I'm saying this about it, not to brag, but you'll experience the same thing because you are sons and daughters of God. He said to me this When you came into my shop, I realized that you have something that I do not have. I have everything. I've got seven businesses. I've got my own Porsche. I'm doing well. I'm only 25 years old. But you have something which I lack. I need to give my heart to Jesus Christ. The place where you go begins to quake because you carry something. They're going to feel uncomfortable to say those dirty stories and jokes in front of you because you just carry something. It's called the anointing of God. And then it says the rocks was split in two. The Bible says the heart of man is like a stone. When you've gone through Gethsemane, when you've gone through Calvary, begin to walk in resurrection power, those around you that have hearts like stone, when you tell them about Jesus, the hearts will be split in two by the power of God that is inside your life. And then it says this, the body of many saints that have fallen asleep will wake up. You know, when you walk with resurrection power and you lift that prayer, or you sing that song of worship, or you give that testimony in that house group, those around you that are asleep spiritually will wake up because they sense something inside you that is real and powerful. You know why? Because you went through Gethsemane. Because you've gone through Calvary. And now you're experiencing resurrection power. Let me just throw this in there because I've got to conclude. 
The tabernacle of the Old Testament was lit up by three different types of lights. The outer court was lit up by natural light. The stars, the sun, and the moon. Symbolic of the natural part of man. The inner court was lit up by man-made light, by candlelight. Speaking of the soulish part of man. The Holy of Holies was lit up by God's light. Speaking of the spiritual part of man. And the veil was torn in two. And there's a complete relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords which permeates for your life in this dying world. Let me conclude. In Mark chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, He said, Go and tell my disciples and Peter that have risen from the dead. And I thought, why, why do you make this distinction, this difference? Isn't Peter one of the disciples? Peter is one of the disciples, but remember he betrayed Jesus. As he's warming up his hands that, that, that morning, he says, I never knew the man. And the lady says, yes, you, your accent gives it away. You're one of his disciples. And he cursed, I never knew the man, he said. And the cock crowed three times. And Peter thought, I'm not worthy to be your disciple. I'm not worthy to be your follower. In the garden of Gethsemane, I let you down. Then, before the crucifixion, I deny I ever knew you. I'm not worthy. And maybe this morning, you're saying, Lord, I've let you down with my life. And maybe I've let you down in my testimony. Maybe I've let you down in some things. And Jesus was saying, Mary Madeline, I want you to go and tell my disciples and Peter. Because he too is one of my disciples. I've called him. I've marked him out. Uh, I have a plan for his life. Uh, and you might say, Lord, uh, I'm maybe not worthy because of this and that. But he's saying he loves you. Go and tell my disciples and Peter. And then it says in Mark 16, verse 9. And I can imagine Mary Madeline Maybe she thought, Lord, who am I to go and tell the disciples that you're risen from the dead? Lord, who am I that I was possessed by seven demons? The historians teaches us that she was a prostitute. The historians teach that. And she must have thought, Lord, who am I? I live the life of a prostitute. I've divided many families. I've taken husbands away from their wives and kids. Uh, who am I to tell them of this great message uh, of your death uh, and resurrection? But see uh, who God forgives, uh, God will use. Go and tell them that I'm risen from the dead. And the first evangelist that brought the message uh, of his death uh, and resurrection was a woman. It was a woman. They brought the message of the death and resurrection of Christ. It was Mary Magdalene. Go and tell them. In Luke 24 verse 5, it says, Why are you seeking the living among the dead? And sometimes a lot of young people try to go to those places 
and those clubs and those parties and those functions to have a buzz out of life. And he says, you're not going to find any life in there. Why are you seeking the living among the dead things? He's no longer there. He's risen. Let me conclude. Adam, in the Garden of Eden, Adam, in the Garden of Eden, with his attitude, was saying this to God. He was saying, God, not your will, my will be done. Adam, in the Garden of Eden, with his attitude that he ate the fruit, was against God's will. But with his attitude and actions, he was virtually saying this, God, not thy will, my will be done. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, with his action and attitude, was saying, God, not my will, your will be done. Which garden are you in today? Which garden are you in today? In Jesus Christ, can I get the musicians up here, please? Jesus Christ, when he gave his life upon the cross and died for you and I, his actions, watch this way, his actions were saying this, listen carefully. You know what he was saying? He was saying, I love you so much, I'd rather die than to live without you. I love you so much, I'd rather die than to live without you. And he gave his life. You'll never be satisfied nor content until you find the purpose of your existence while you're here. And let me say this to you have been born in this generation to do something for your God in your generation. That's why you're here. Ross, you never have been born. And he's marked you out, known you by name for the foundation of this planet. Potentially 500 million others, brothers and sisters could have been born in your place, but it's chosen you. You need to find out why. Every eye closed. Please, every head bow, please. In this wonderful Easter Sunday morning service, as we celebrate the death and resurrection of Christ, maybe you're saying this morning, God, I need you in my life. You're saying this morning, God, you believe in me that you made a stand for me. You went all the way.
hoping that in a day like this, that I'll make a stand for you. You're saying today, God, I give my life to you. You're saying, God, forgive me of my sins. I want to be your child. You're saying, God, lead me in this journey of life. I give you my life because you gave me your life. I want to be your child.